Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. Well, here we are. <laughs> I was going to say, I have to admit, like, I'm like, when I first met you, I'm like, holy crap, this guy has listened to a lot of Shelly Berman. I, th- I feel like it's one of those things where uh, you, you listen had, to you, somebody holy, and I didn't hear you. Holy crap, what? This guy's listened to a lot of Shelly. I feel like well, if, if you're that familiar with the material, there's probably a part of that material that's in your DNA at this point, right? Well, a it's, I mean, when I was, I'll, I'll tell you, when I was uh, six years old, mm-hmm. uh, I used to, I mean, that's when I discovered, I, I used to, comedy albums were the first albums I ever owned. Uh-huh. And, um, let's see, you're about 35? Yeah, I just turned 35 the other day. Okay, well, yeah. happy happy, uh, happy birthday. Thank I'm you. 52. Mm-hmm. So I, I maybe go back a little bit further as far as, uh, 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 I think it was. Uh, this gets into a whole other subject, but the first comedian I discovered was Cosby. Okay, and um, I, I don't, I don't know what your feelings are on the whole Cosby situation. Sure, I can't listen to the albums anymore. Yeah, I have the same problem. I can't. Yep. I, I just can't, and it's not me being politically correct. Right. I just, I just can't. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But he was the first guy uh, I discovered, and and uh, you know, along with Newhart, and you know, if you can imagine a six-year-old kid listening to Nichols and May, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, but I, lo- I I loved it, and yeah. and um, but Shelley, I mean, I just I saw the album covers, and I thought this guy's got to be funny mm-hmm. uh, with this, you know, the fake phone in one hand, cigarette in the other, mm-hmm. and the, ah, you know. <laughs> um, but I used to, I had a little, you know, I had a little, I had a little uh, suit when I was a kid. I used to put the suit on. Now, I'm, again, I'm six. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I had a suit and I would go out to the, I would go out to our um, kitchen counter, grab a bar stool, bring it into my room. And, and I had, I would, for the cigarette, I used to use the, the eraser half of a broken pencil. But then I discovered candy cigarettes. So of that course. made me look cooler. Uh-huh. And I'd sit and look in the mirror with this. Voice that actually wasn't much lower than than Shelley's at the time, you know. There's a woman hanging from a window ledge, and she's going to fall down. So I don't know if it was in my DNA, but it was certainly a, an early, yeah, an early, uh, an early influence. And oh, and then, Christ Almighty, thirty whatever it is years later, I wind up I'm his webmaster and his archivist and his yeah. friend and right. Yeah, that's that's. Ah, we're going to have to get deep into that. I, uh, I should, just before we get any further, since yeah. I have been recording. Uh, the year is 1959. The album is Inside Shelley Berman. The artist is obviously Shelley Berman. My guest is maybe not so obviously Christopher Bay. Christopher Bay, you are, well, you're a DJ. That's what you do for a living, correct? Are you a DJ? Is that... Well, I do, uh, I do mobile DJ work. Also, stuff. I didn't know we were recording. <laughs> yeah, we're recording. Is this thing on? <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I do mobile DJ work, and I also do a fair amount of voice work uh, in radio and TV commercials. I, was say, I had, to, had a feeling, <laughs> and um, I wanted to. I missed the opportunity to say thank you for uh, welcoming me into my own home because I've heard a lot of <laughs> a lot of your other guests say that. <laughs> I, you, you're right. Yeah, I've been. I've been. People have been whiplashing me into not saying it. I feel like, or I'm whiplashing myself. I think it's a it. thing. I think it's funny. I think you <laughs> should. Works, you know, right? it's like how you sign off. You know, mm-hmm. have a, have a good thing. You know. Yeah. Maybe I should. I should just... At the top of the show, just welcome people into their own homes. Mm-hmm. I think maybe I will from now on. Um, <laughs> so you've already established you are Shelley Berman's archivist. Not just Shelley Berman's, though, but uh, uh, Woody Woodbury's as well. That is correct. Um, and I, the only reason I picked this is like, well, first album, might as well. But we're going to talk about his whole career. We're going to talk about your life in his life. That's weird. That's a very weird thing. What's that? To be that involved in somebody else's life, even if it's just their creative life, but also your friend of his now. I mean, that's... 
Well, I, I mean, yeah, that, you know, there's there's some conventional wisdom out there that says never uh, never befriend your heroes. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you'll always be disappointed. Sure. Well. Uh, I've met uh, well. I've met several of them, and I've befriended two of them, and uh, I, I I couldn't be happier. Shelley and and Woody are just two of the sweetest, nicest guys uh, I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I uh, I actually met Shelley. Uh, I would say what would the year have been? Two thousand two. Mm-hmm. There was a there was a small label called Laugh.com. dot yeah. com. they're still in existence, but. Um, I found out through Shelley's website at the time it was pretty much just a glorified message board. Okay, yeah. People would post things and then Shelley would answer. He was very good about answering. Wow. Uh, and then um, I had mentioned on on the website that uh, you know I had the number one question Shelley was getting asked was when are your albums coming out on CD? Sure. And again, this is 2002. Yeah. Uh, I had put a message up there, something to the effect of you know I couldn't wait. You know, I wouldn't be able to listen to these things in my car, yeah. so I went ahead and digitized them for my own, uh, you know, my own uh, entertainment. Yeah. And the next day, I must have had fifty people saying, <laughs> uh, "Hey, hey, could you send me a copy of that CD? I'll get, you know, I'll give you five bucks awesome. or whatever yeah, 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 it was." Of course, yeah. Well, Laugh.com got in touch with me through Shelley's website, and they they said, uh, you know, we uh, we have the licensing and the you know all of the legal stuff is taken care of to release these things, but we don't have access to the original masters. So we're we're going to have to yeah we're going to have to create uh, new digital masters from vinyl. Wow! Um, can you send us a, a sample of what you've done? And I said sure. I sent them a, a couple of sample tracks, and they uh, they responded. And they says this is great. Listen, we've got to make a deal. Please send us everything you got. So I did. We wound up making a deal, and uh, as a result of that, two really cool things happened. One, I I actually ended up do, uh, doing work on about fifty other titles for Laugh.com. Whoa. Wow. And secondly was uh, my my great lasting enduring friendship with Shelley and Sarah Berman. Yeah. Um, you know the first the first couple of times I went over there, and I should back up a little bit and say, Shelley sent me a very nice thank you email. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, thank you for, for thank you for bringing my work into the digital age. I don't know if he put it exactly that sure. way, but it was something along those lines. Yeah. And. Um, I was invited over there for lunch, and the first time I couldn't go, I just had terrible laryngitis. I thought, oh my God, I'm going to miss the opportunity to meet you. But I got over there eventually, and again, the first two or three times I'm pitching myself saying, I can't believe I'm going to Shelley Berman's house for lunch. <laughs> yeah. But after a while, I got to be very close with, with Shelley and Sarah, and so at that point, I'm thinking, when they would invite me over, I'm thinking, oh... Thank God, I get to go over and have a good meal because mo- I don't know about you. Most of my meals come out of a paper bag. Sure, yeah, yeah. and I get to sit and relax and talk uh, with people I love, and mm-hmm. so it's it's sort of my relationship with them uh, changed. I, I I never stopped being a fan, of course. but but uh, I, I ended up uh, you know becoming a member of the family, and that I, I well I I don't want to say it's more important. Uh, to me, than Shelley's legacy, it's just different. It's just important yeah. on a different level. Of course, yeah, yeah. And it's one of those things where I'm finding, like, I, I get through doing this silly podcast, I get to meet archivists, not on a regular basis, but they seek me out. You know, and I'm very lucky. I think you emailed me. First. Yeah, I sort of sought you out. Yeah. I, you'd done a show with, um, uh, boy, I, you know, the word genius is overused. I wish <laughs> uh, there were another word for genius that yeah. we could start using. It'd be nice. Yeah. Um, but Phil Hendry. Oh. Is yeah. is just I mean I've been a fan of his since 
uh, probably before most people, since about 1989. Yeah, okay, yeah. all right. And uh, uh, so that's, I, I think you had him on and you were talking about uh, Fireside, Fireside Theater yeah. album. Uh-huh. And that's how I, f- I think I found out about uh, your podcast through his Facebook page. Okay, yeah. And uh, I just, I tuned in and I found your site and I listened to a couple other, I think it was uh, a couple other podcasts. One of them was the uh, uh, Credibility Gap Great Gift Idea. Oh, that was a great one. That and was great. Uh, a couple others. Albert Brooks, A Star Has Bought. Mm-hmm. See, these are, I- I- I'm thinking, who is this guy and, and where did he, what planet is he from? And, and I, I just, I can't believe it. I'm in heaven here. These albums have been favorites of mine since, since they came out. Sure, sure. And, and uh, I, I just thought, well, I, I at least have to send you a, a note saying, you know, how much I enjoyed your show. And here we are. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, and, you know, I feel like since... Since Shelley himself is retired, and understandably so, after yeah. busting his ass for that long. Well, when you're, you, you know, know, when you're, uh, I, what I'm telling people is that uh, Shelley has made retirement a full time job. Yeah, and uh, you know, he spent 57 years yeah. as a comedian. I mean, he was, you know, he was working. I, I'm trying to think of his last appearance. It's not coming to me right now, but mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was sometime early last year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just everybody reaches a point where it's like, okay, I, I have now completed the work portion of my life. Yeah. I've been traveling all over the world, right. making millions of people laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just, you know, and once in a while I get, uh, I get an email from people who, you know, they want to, uh, they want to meet him or they want to, uh, you know, uh, I had somebody contact me, um, saying I'm, you know, I'm an elderly man on a fixed income. I was wondering if you would fly me out. Uh, at your expense to meet Mr. Berman. It would be one of the great honors of my life. Holy shit. Well, yeah. And I I, I sent back a very polite uh, uh, email saying, I'm I'm afraid not, sir. Mr. Berman is is retired and and just prefers to keep a low profile these days. Sure. uh, I'll give him your very best. I, frankly, haven't the slightest doubts whatsoever about my safety in a plane until I walk into an airport terminal. And I realize that there's a thriving industry in this building selling life insurance policies, you see. Good for one flight, you know, which is very cautious. And, uh, and there are booths all over the place selling life insurance and slot machines dispensing life insurance. And the whole thing seems to convey this one message to me, that I may be confident about landing safely, but there's a serious doubt in somebody's mind as to whether I'm going to make it, you see. And because I happen to be a little chicken to begin with, this, uh, this, this power of suggestion plants a seed of doubt, gives me a negative attitude toward the flight. Incidentally, if you do uh, buy one of these policies, for God's sakes, don't read it. Pay for it, sign it, send it off to somebody you want to worry, but if you read this, you'll never fly. <laughs> they're very accessible, so they're lucky, people are lucky to have somebody like you as a buffer, I guess. But, uh, you know, but it's also, at the, at the very least, I think you can, on some level, appreciate Maybe some of the insanity that comes across if you're as big a fan as you are. Well, I can. Uh, I mean, there's some of the email I've gotten. I mean, it's it's it really walks walks a fine line between yeah. insanity and 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 being a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but most people are. Yeah, I've gotten a couple of nutty mm-hmm. uh, 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 emails here and there. But most people mean well, mm-hmm. and they just want to get across how much they uh, how much they love Shelley and. Uh, you know, the thing is, Shelley can stand up in front of a room, um, you know, the last few years he's, whenever he makes a, a, a public speaking appearance, he's adopted kind of this crusty old man okay. uh, 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 routine, and, you know, and he can yell at people and tell them to shut up, and they love it. 
Of course, of course. Because they love him so much. Sure, sure, sure. What I like though is that like he's clearly. It's interesting listening to to this album. Uh, I've only again. This is one of those opportunities where it's like, yes, I've heard bits of this, but listening to it all the way through was a thing I had to do for this. Sure, you know. Uh, so listening to it in order, especially, and like just his, uh, you know, regardless of his material, which I think is very interesting. He's just so hip. There's just something about him where I get the feeling that he's always been a little like he come. He, if you look at this cover, might think square at first. He's a dude in a suit, but maybe not for the time. Not for '59. Everybody was in a suit. Well, every, everybody was in a suit, and everybody smoked. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, right. You know, nowadays, I mean, I know. You know, it's it's so interesting. Um, I mean, I hear from comedians who are, you know, 19 years old, mm-hmm. and they're doing open mic nights, and just they're just yeah. getting up and working anywhere they can. Uh, a lot of these kids just don't know, uh, you know, aren't aware of anything uh, occurring in the world prior to, you know, 1995. Sure. Yep. But these young comedians, they all know who Shelley is. That's interesting. They all, yeah, it's it's very interesting. I was really surprised when I began, uh, well, you know, when I began getting uh, uh, that reaction from uh, from some of these kids. Um, and they think this is like the hippest album cover in the world. Mm-hmm. Guy sitting on a stool yeah. in a perfectly tailored suit. Oh, yeah. Holding a cigarette in one hand, an imaginary telephone in the other, <laughs> and with this pained, you know, comically pained expression on his face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's one of those things where you know, uh, people from you know nineteen to ninety, uh, they just they they dig Shelley, and I you know I, I hear this stuff all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Do you have a well? Let's start with this album first. Okay. Do you have a favorite track off of this album? Oh boy! And has that evolved over the years? Like what you like the most? Uh, you know, it's it's uh, well. Let me let me go back to when I was you know when I was a kid when I was in high school. Um, I I I'd have to say my favorite track back then was uh, the morning after the night before, uh-huh. which is uh, <laughs> a, a guy has guy's been at a party the previous night and just got smashed and. Uh, you know, ruined his guest's home and, and uh, you know, s- allegedly dallied with the guy's wife and, and, and all these things and, th- you know, threw a cat through a window and threw the guy's mother through the window. And um, that, was, that was my favorite when I was uh, a kid because, I mean, I couldn't imagine, uh, uh, you know, I couldn't imagine doing that at, you know, at age eight years old. And here's a guy, he got drunk and he went, wow, you know. <laughs> Uh, but you know, I, I I very rarely when I listen to the album, I usually listen to the whole thing, mm-hmm. uh, unless I'm preparing. You know, I'm preparing a uh, I'm working on a project mm-hmm. that has to do with Shelley. Um, but I just you know, it's like when I go on a road trip or something, and you know, I'm in the car, I still listen to Shelley's uh, CDs all the time, and I still laugh. Yeah, yeah, and all the way through, that's that's more your thing. But I yeah, but I think I I, I think that this album is not only um, I, I I think it's one of the most important and influential uh, comedy albums to uh, come down the pike, yeah. because it pretty much single-handedly uh, created the market for the comedy album. Sure. In in the late fifties, uh, record companies just didn't think that there was a market mm-hmm. for a recording of a comic doing his nightclub act. It's like, right. why bother? You just go to the nightclub and see the guy live. Sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, Shelley was. Uh, uh, we're, I don't mean to go around in circles no, here, but we fine. might we might do that. Um, uh, Shelley actually never intended to become a comedian. Interesting. He just didn't have it in his mind. It was almost completely by accident. Shelley was a uh, uh, actually studied as a serious actor. Uh, he studied with uh, Stella Adler. He studied with Uta Hagen Jesus. in New York, 
and um, he became uh, part of a. Uh, uh, he began studying at the Goodman Theater in Chicago, mm-hmm. and uh, you know people had this impression that Shelley was a comedian who wanted to uh, play Shakespeare. Okay, and that's not really how it was. He was an actor who did play Shakespeare, uh-huh. who kind of. Uh, fell into comedy uh, as a result. Uh, I mean, after years of really not being able to get arrested, I mean, he Mm -hmm. did some stock work uh, in theater and a a couple of TV appearances here and there. But, uh, you know, for 10 years, uh, he was just uh, not having any luck as an actor. And um, when he came to to, uh, uh, join the Compass Players, which later evolved into Second City in Chicago, and he was working with people like Mike Nichols and Elaine May and mm-hmm. Severn Darden and Barbara Harris. Uh, uh, he began working with Mike and Elaine, and they, they worked as kind of a trio. Okay. Um, but eventually, Mike and Elaine started doing more and more stuff on their own. Sure. And so Shelley began developing solo pieces. And he thought, well, I can't, you know, he, he didn't think as, a, as an actor, he didn't think he could pretend to talk to somebody on stage. But yeah. he could pretend that there was somebody on the other end of a telephone. Right, right. And and this worked very well for him, and he got uh, he got really good responses uh, uh, to these uh, to these bits, and so he thought, well, you know, maybe this is something I can do to make a living while I look for serious acting work, yeah. so I don't have to work as a as a manager at a thrifty drugstore sure. or a you know a, a ballroom dance instructor at Arthur Murray or a cab driver. All of those things he did, by the way. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. Yeah. When he was a cab driver in L.A. Uh, uh, within uh, four weeks, he was in three rear end collisions. Oh Jesus! And it's it's so funny because his uh, his supervisor called him in to the office, and and sometimes the way people understate things, uh, the supervisor said to him, "You know, I I, I think perhaps you're in the wrong business." <laughs> four weeks, he's in three rear end collisions. Perhaps, perhaps of course, right. he was in the wrong business. Oh no! Oh God! Oh boy! Oh, gee, I'm sorry, Dick. <laughs> the whole window, eh? <laughs> you just come right out, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's a picture window, too, isn't it, Dick? <laughs> it's a lucky thing there was nobody walking under it at the time, huh? <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh, boy. Got him edgewise, huh? Oh, well, they'll, uh... Don't put them back together, Dave. Those medical people are... Gee, Dave, I can't imagine how I managed to break a window. I don't have any cuts or bruises on my hands. How did I break the window? I think... Uh, were, were you very fond of that cat? <laughs> you know, those things are supposed to land on their feet, aren't they, Dave? Poor little fella. How did I manage to do that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I get the picture. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I must have been playing some sort of stupid game there or something. What was I doing? I see, and I guess the window was Goliath. So Shelley, Shelley took some of the solo material, and he auditioned. Uh, he told the people he told uh, the people who ran this particular club, a place called Mr. Kelly's in Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he told the people he wanted to be, uh, he was a monologist. Mm-hmm. And he's, I'm, not, I'm not a comedian, I'm okay. a monologist. Okay. Um, so he... Uh, he auditioned uh, for it was two brothers, George and Oscar Marienthal, that uh, that owned Mr. Kelly's. And um, because of the way the stage was set up, if he had uh, if he'd been sitting in a chair, the audience wouldn't have been able to see him. Yeah. So he needed to get a bar stool from the bar so he could be oh. seen. 
And the bar was full, so they had to ask some poor guy to, you know, please stand up so this kid can audition. <laughs> so that's where the stool really came from. That's it was hilarious. just it was just out of necessity. So uh, Shelley auditioned. I think he had uh, the morning after the night before, and another piece from the album called uh, "Small Embarrassing Moments," uh-huh. and one other bit which he never recorded called "Aunt Goldie and the Sweet Potato." Uh-huh. Um, uh, and so he auditions. Goes outside to have a smoke. Now, at this time, you got to remember, Shelley is making about 50 bucks a week with the Compass Players. Okay. So he goes outside to have a smoke. One of the Marienthal brothers comes out and says, okay, 350 a week for four weeks <laughs> with an option for four more. Holy shit. And at that point in Shelley's life, he might as, the guy might as well have said, okay, a million dollars. Right. And that was in, so, uh, again, uh, uh, work as an actor was very, very hard to come by. Yeah. Uh, his, uh, his status as a, uh, as a comedian, I, I wouldn't exactly call it overnight success, sure. but, but, but damn close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he auditioned for Mr. Kelly's in the summer of 57, and by the end of 58, he'd already been on the Steve Allen show, the Ed Sullivan show, the Jack Parts Tonight show, uh, among many others, at least three or four times. Wow. And this was all before his first album came out. Um, you know, by his by his third engagement, his mm-hmm. third ever professional engagement, yeah. uh, he was working at a at a casino in Las Vegas. It's no longer there. A place called the Thunderbird. Okay, and he was opening for a singer named Johnny Desmond. Now, this is his third ever gig. Mm-hmm. Um, he's opening for Johnny Desmond, and he's being paid twelve fifty a week. Which, which again, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's not bad money now. <laughs> <Right>. You know, <laughs> yeah, take it. Yeah. Holy cow. So success as a comedian came very quickly, but it was. Really, not not what he wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but something that struck him is that he'd been to Mr. Kelly's a few times, and one time he was in there, and there's this you know this young swarthy guy uh, on stage. Uh, he's uh, wearing a sweater and holding a newspaper, mm-hmm. and he's getting laughs, but he's not telling jokes. He's just <laughs> he's just talking to the audience. I mean, mm-hmm. and for those of you audience that, that don't know, I'm referring to Mort Saul, mm-hmm. and. Um, so Shelley thought, well, hey, maybe, you know, again, maybe this is something I can do. I don't have to tell jokes. It doesn't right. always have to be set up punchline, yeah. set up punchline. And so uh, Shelley talked with Mort a little bit, and they became friends, and they remain friends to this day 57 years later, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And uh, it was Mort who brought Shelley to Verve Records. Okay. Um, and uh, Mort had put out an album on Verve. Uh, called The Future Lies Ahead. Yes, yeah. Which was, and it did okay. It didn't set the world on fire, but sure. it did okay. Yeah. So, because, it, you know, these things, they don't cost a lot to record. I mean, it's a guy and his audience, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, so Verve figured, well, okay, this, this Sports Saul album did, did pretty well. You know, we can record this guy. Won't cost us very much. If we sell 10,000 copies, we'll, we'll, you know, make a little money. Yeah. And that's kind of what Shelley was thinking. It's, you know, this would be a good merchandising tool. It's got my name and my picture on it. Uh, And again, if it sells 10 or 12,000 copies, you know, that's fine. Well, it sold a few more than that. Mm -hmm. Um, The album came out in, I want to say, April of 59. And by July, it had sold uh, close to 150,000. Shit. Which was just, I mean, just unheard of. Yeah. For uh, I mean it was a I mean it was a fast selling album not just a comedy album sure and um, uh, you know by the end of 
I, I forget what the final tally was. I think it was almost eight hundred thousand copies Jesus. were you know initial yeah. initial sales. Yeah, and um, uh, you know so that kind of then all of a sudden everybody wants to record comedians. Of course, yeah, know, including Verve, that which was at the time. Up until uh, Mort cut his first album for Verve, at the time it was a jazz label, okay. primarily a jazz label. Okay. They moved on and evolved and and uh, started recording different artists. But um, but that's how things happened for Shelley. I mean, again, it was it was it was pretty quick. I mean, within about a year, he was you know in the you know working in the big time. That's in, but the idea that this starts off in the most insane way, this most I and I obviously wasn't, but it sounds so misguided to be like I'm going to make my money. Doing comedy—that's going to be where my side money comes from. Right, that I, that I can take my own comedic talent for granted. I mean, that's what he was doing, <laughs> you know. Well, in a way, I mean, uh, you know, again, uh, you know, in order to avoid having to drive a cab, yeah, he's figuring, okay, I can work these little clubs, and, yeah. and it's, you know, it's somewhat. I mean, it's 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 entertainment related. Mm-hmm. It's not acting, sure, but you know, it ain't digging ditches either. Right, right. Uh, so. Um, so he got, and, and obviously, you know, when the money starts rolling in mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, uh, uh, you, I don't think Shelley, Shelley didn't lose sight of his, uh, desire to be an actor. Sure. Um, as a matter of fact, when he started having success as a comedian, he was able to go to his agents and managers and say, okay, guys, I want you to start getting me, uh, auditions okay, for dramatic yeah, yeah, acting yeah. work. Sure. And then, and, and that's when it began. About 1959, he did, uh, 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 Peter Gunn and Ellery Queen and later on the Twilight Zone episode. I was going to ask, sure. which Twilight episode is it? Oh, I couldn't look it up. Uh, so. it's, uh, from May of 61, it's called The Mind and the Matter. And, uh, Shelley's, sure Shelley's character's name is Archibald Beechcroft. Oh, and he's yeah. a guy who wants to make... This is the guy who wants to make the whole world disappear. Oh, right. Yes, right. Okay. Yeah, you know, go away, be extinct, disappear. Mm-hmm. There we go. Okay. And realizes that when that actually happens for him, realizes that that's not really what he wants, but what he would prefer would be a world full of everybody who's just like he is. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly he gets a world of Archibald Beechcrofts, and that doesn't work out there so we well go. either. Okay. But it, it, it routinely shows up on uh, the Twilight Zone marathons yeah. Uh, yeah. that they do, and it's 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 always voted one of the one of the viewer favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, because uh, oh, there's so you know actually let's talk about the small embarrassing moments bit. Okay, because that is the one that stood out to me as being the most modern, contemporary feeling. Like it feels like that wouldn't change much from then to now. There are a lot of things that while. Plenty of people have possibly lifted from it or have just put their own spin on the same idea. It's very solid. Yeah, um, and again, a lot of this, I mean, if every comedian who followed Shelley mm-hmm. that ever started uh, uh, their act with the phrase, has this ever happened to you? <laughs> if they had to pay Shelley for that, I mean, you know, Shelley would be a billionaire. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, the small embarrassing moments, a, a few of them uh, on this album anyway, um, have to do with smoking. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that aspect of it might seem a little dated. Yeah, Although, maybe, yeah. there are still plenty of smokers around. Sure. Um, and there's some physical bits that don't come through that I'm like, fuck, what did I just miss? Um, well, I could probably tell you what they are. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I'd have to, you'd have to ask me specifically, but. Sure, but sure, sure. I've, I mean, uh, he did, uh, he did small embarrassing moments, uh, several times on the Ed Sullivan show. Mm-hmm. And okay. so there you get to see it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, 
but yeah, and and it's uh, you know a lot of those things. You know, has this ever happened to you, or have you ever been talking with somebody and accidentally you spit on them? I mean, <laughs> I really we've we've all done that, and that was in this album was actually recorded in '58 and released in early '59. Okay, so um, you know, Shelley, you know, Shelley does the uh, Shelley does that bit, or was doing it up until he retired, and still killing with it. Yeah, you know, up to up until you know last year. <laughs> it's perfect. So you're right. It's 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 a very contemporary thing, and it's it's something that. Uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people can relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the way it's, the way it's uh, framed, you know, might be a little corny, like the 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 boy and the girl having their first kiss. Sure, sure, sure. But it's still funny as <laughs> it's hell. Great, yeah. Well, it's one of those things too where I feel like there are a lot. I'm one to talk, but I mean, I do a podcast where we deconstruct shit on a regular. I'm basis beginning to think that you just it. host every podcast that's out there. I've seen. <laughs> I've seen a list of them. And <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, you know, I co-host two. Well, I host this one and co-host another one. The rest of them, my friends do. And maybe a couple people I've never met. But, you know. Other than, you know. Um, <laughs> Romance offers golden opportunities for embarrassing moments of the small type. For example, in the field of kissing. I say field because it covers quite an area. Um, <laughs> whoa, the little bragging over there, eh? All right. <laughs> Now, the embarrassing moment in this kiss may not have occurred in quite the way I will describe it for you, however, I think you'll recognize the moment when we get to it. In this case, it is your first kiss, not individually, together. And uh, all, all evening long, there have been these vague question marks over your heads, will she, if he. And now you're there, the night is right, the sky is right, the stars are right, the doorway is perfect, and it is provocative. And you look at each other for a moment, and you get that subtle, secret message which says, Go. And you plunge And it's a passionate kiss A violent kiss A beautiful kiss And it's off-center Has that happened? <laughs> you wind up with the tip of her nose And a cry eye. Because I, I have no idea when you started recording at the beginning of the show. I have no idea what was said. What's funny is I really thought you did because you sounded like, you know, it's your natural voice. You just sound like, all right, we're going to get going here. This this is my real voice. It's fantastic. Um, and and um, actually, the only the only impersonation uh, of himself that, that Shelley ever liked mm-hmm. was mine. Yeah? Yeah, he loved, he loved it when I would, you know, I would talk to him. I, I remember I was helping him, uh, I was helping him. Oh, I was trying to get through to his cable company. Okay. I was helping him get through to tech support. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, oh, and I was, I was on the phone. I was on hold. And he's sitting there. And I said, oh, uh, hello, uh, cable tech support. Uh, say, I, all right. And it took him a couple seconds. And he looked at, will you stop doing me? <laughs> Shelly, I've been doing you since I was seven years old. That's fantastic. Oh, my God. But that's just, that's the... Uh, do you have, what's, since he's here, I mean, he's in L.A., so you've got maybe a closer relationship than, say, with Woody Woodbury, uh, although I don't know, maybe I'm assuming too much, but I mean, what's... Well, no, Woody and I are friends. Woody lives in Fort Lauderdale, mm-hmm. and we've, we had cultivated a friendship uh, over the last five years or so, mm-hmm. and I just got to meet him for the first time in person, uh, I would say five, six weeks ago. Oh, okay, wow. Yeah, so that was really cool, but, uh, but no, the, the Bourbons I've known since 2002. 
right, right at the beginning, I did want to ask actually a little bit more about the technical side of it. So does that mean the Laugh.com ones, are they just cleaned up versions of your original vinyl rips, or is that... Yeah, they, wow. uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I still have the copies I used at the time, because uh -huh. that was 12, 13 years ago. Sure, I've, sure. Been, I've been trying to, uh, uh, I've, I've spent a lot of time trying to find, um, which ultimately I have, uh, I've been trying to find... Uh, unopened sealed copies of Shelley's albums sure. for, for my collection. Sure. And you know, there was a time when you actually couldn't give Shelley's albums away because there yeah. were so many of them right. out there in circulation and uh -huh. you could literally go to a, uh, you know, a goodwill store and get one for a quarter. Sure. But now it's getting to be so long ago uh -huh. that copies that haven't been played to death or used as Frisbees or whatever, I'm having. Those, are, those are starting to be a little, little bit hard to find. So they're starting yeah. to be worth something again. Yeah, this is why I'm having so much trouble finding really good... Because I have... How many albums did he release total? Uh, uh, well, initially on Verve, he released six, six from 59 okay. to 64. And then yeah. in 1995, he put out a, 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 a new live CD, mm -hmm. uh, Shelley Berman Live Again at the Improv, mm -hmm. which, which uh, combined, as Shelley uh, put it at the time, old material and older material. <laughs> I think I must have five of the six, but this is oddly the one that will not play, refuses to play because of the giant gouge. <laughs> oh, this particular yeah, copy? I'm so upset. I mean, obviously, you saw, you saw the quality of the... Uh, the damn sleeve of the jacket. Yeah. Uh huh. So, um, <laughs> oh god, it's upsetting. Like I, I'm like, great, look what I just found. For I mean, the other day I went to Atomic and Burbank, and I'm like, you know what? I want to see how many copies of First Family I can find, and I bought all seven because they're fifty cents a piece. I'm going to do some art installation with them. I feel like that's what I should do. I have a, I have a uh, Shelley Berman Vaughn meter story. You do? I do. This should be interesting. Okay. Um. Um. Uh, Vaughn Meter had recorded the first Family Volume Two. Yes, uh, they recorded that in, I believe, March of '63, mm -hmm. and obviously, we all know what happened on November 22nd of that year. Mm -hmm. um, but by the time uh, Meter had recorded uh, First Family Volume Two, he had fulfilled his obligation. He was tired of doing JFK. He wanted to be known as you know an all-around comedian. Sure. And Meter was actually a very, very talented comedian, uh, a very good improviser. Yeah. Uh, came up with a lot of funny original material on his own, and he signed a two-album deal with Verve. Okay. And I, I, I think Shelley may have had a hand in bringing him to Verve. I'm, I, I'm not clear about that, but Meter was scheduled to host the 1964 Grammy Awards. Okay. And. By late 63, of course, he's having jobs pulled away from him left and right. Yeah. Nobody wants to see him. Nobody wants to hear him. Sure. Um, so um, uh, Meter had asked Shelley to introduce him uh, at this particular engagement he was doing at a, a, a place called the Blue Angel in New York. Okay. And he had all new material, no JFK stuff. So Shelley came, introduced him, uh, and then... This call came about the Grammys. It's like we're not, you know, we can't have him as a Grammy. Well, Shelley called. Shelley made a phone call and said, "Listen, this guy's got all new material. He's yeah. great. He's not doing the JFK stuff anymore." And they said, "Yeah, but he, but he looks like him. You know, we can't have him. Right, you right. Know, nobody wants to see him." And they wanted Shelley to replace him <laughs> oh as the host of the Grammys, and Shelley refused. Wow. He said, "No, no, I'm not going to do that because what you're doing to this man is wrong." He's trying to reestablish himself. He's a great comedian. And Shelley never told Von Meter about it. Wow. Never. Wow. So. See, that's, see, that's the kind of class act shit you're not going to run, in run into with a lot of professional comedians. And not to shit on comedians, but gigs are often hard to come by. But it's... it's oh, it's, it can be know? cutthroat, sure. Yeah. And it, yeah. was, it, was, it was cutthroat back then. It's, it's, uh, it's still cutthroat today. But um, back then, though, you didn't have as many comedians who wanted to use stand-up comedy 
as a stepping stone to something else like a sitcom sure. career or, or, a, or a movie career. Right. Um, these were guys who were just happy and, you know, the money was good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it was interesting having to research for the first family episode, like how well he was doing and then just to see how badly things went downhill for him so fast. It's a, it's a sad story. It's a really sad story, but it, it's nice that there were guys out there who were still busting their asses for younger guys. Yeah, you know? um, I, I, at one point, um, Tom Hanks' production company, Playtone, mm-hmm. had optioned the rights to the life story of Vaughn Meter. Yeah. This was probably, I read about this 10 years ago. Okay. And it didn't seem to go anywhere. Now, uh, Ben Stiller's company, and I can't remember the name of it, can't remember the name of his uh, production company, Red... Fuck. Yep, I know, and I just watched... Red Dog, Red... I'm, I'm sorry, Ben, if you're listening. Um... <laughs> They now they now have the rights to the story as of a year ago, and uh, Bill Hader That's is supposed to heard. supposed to play uh, Vaughn Meter. I think it's a good choice. He I might be. He I I don't know if he's maybe too old to play the part. Vaughn Meter was only twenty six, yeah, 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 but he looked older than that. Sure, so, sure. So it might work. I'm anxious to see. I, I hope it comes to uh, to fruition. That it, uh, you know the the because often with projects like this, well, it's not going to make enough money. And, right. It'll be it'll be it would be nice to see it, especially if they do it right. And the man had a good ending to his life. It wasn't ideal in terms of career, but you know he at least had like a life that he put together after his career. He was he was surrounded by family and friends and people who loved him and yeah. and um, you know had a had a loving wife. And so it it wasn't it was it was far away from from that life that he had in the sixties, mm-hmm. but. From all uh, uh, from all reports, that was okay with him. Yeah, he just he wanted to play his music and mm-hmm. and just live a simple life. There aren't so. there aren't that many out. Th- I mean, again, it's it, it's hard to make a, a story about a comedian whose life ends nicely. I guess because Lenny's a great movie and it's great because he had such a destructive path and it's a beautiful movie. It's one of the one of my favorite biopics ever. But like it, that becomes it becomes rough. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> Lenny and Lenny Bruce used to do an impression of Shelley in his live act. I was wondering because there are so many similarities. Me listening to him, and then I'm all I'm thinking about is Lenny Bruce for a couple bits, like because there are a couple sort of guttural sounds they make that are very similar. Well, they were, um, <coughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Lenny tells a story in his act about Shelley mouthing off to a to a noisy group right in the front uh, uh, at the front table at one of his shows, and it turned, these guys turned out to be uh, you know uh, the broken nose uh, gangster <laughs> and. <laughs> And uh, it's 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 a funny bit, and it's worth seeking. But um, uh, Shelley and Lenny were friends. Yeah, they were they were good friends. And I mean, of course, their their acts couldn't have been you know more, more different. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, but they but they respected each other and liked each other. And and uh, Lenny liked Shelley very much. Yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 so interesting to listen to those. To the, uh, it, it's just probably just proximity that the, that they might have had just. Similar vocal stylings uh, here and there. What 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 shocked me actually listening to this is I wasn't expecting him to say "God damn it" twice on the album. I did kind of is, is that odd? Well, that it's that you know what's funny. Later, uh, because he does it on a couple of uh, a couple of tracks. I think two or three tracks on um, uh, his first three albums mm-hmm. and later pressings of the albums had the God cut uh, out. Cut out. <laughs> And it's just this very awkward sounding. Damn it! <laughs> what the hell? That's yeah. so, see, I was wondering, like, when that kind of uh, just sort of sudden, like, let's let's be. And they did the same thing to Woody Woodbury. They, you know, really? people said, "Oh, god damn it!" And I don't know about you, but I think "god damn it" is is much funnier than yes, "damn it" because yes. because uh, uh, the number of syllables. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh, I I can't remember where I heard this, but but an example would be, you know, somebody says uh, there are twelve chickens on the lawn. 
Mm-hmm. That's not funny, but there are 15 chickens on the lawn. Yeah. And because of the rhythm, yeah. 15's a funny number and 12 isn't. Sure. At least in that case. I mean, that's not the funniest line in the world. But, but no, exactly right. Yeah. But, you're, but you know, it's like the, uh, uh, you know, the, the child on the phone bit, you know. <laughs> no, honey, you see what happened? Oh, God damn it. I'm fine. Listen what, listen, what are you, a little boy or a little girl? Oh, well, why don't you ask your mommy? She'll tell you. <laughs> I'm fine. Listen, sweetheart, go call mommy to the telephone, honey. Oh, and listen, honey, listen, don't put the telephone on the hook now, baby. Put it on the table, sweetheart, because if you put it on the hook, you... <laughs> Hello there. I'm fine, thank you. Bye. Listen, you hung up on me, <laughs> you little. Now, see there, see... See, I told you to put the telephone on the table and you put it on the hook. No, honey, you see what happened? See, I... Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Hello. Now, listen, kid... Now, don't put the telephone down. You understand me? You hold the telephone in your hand. You hear what I'm saying to you? In your fat little claw, you hold the phone. How much of his acting was he? Was he just casually pulling from his acting experience? Did he? Did he think about the acting of the bit, or was it? This is just a funny bit. I'm curious. He just. He just. Um, yeah. He. He used his. He used his skills as an actor. He brought his his uh, skills as an actor. Into his comedy, and I think that's it served him very well. Yeah. Um, because again, nobody was doing this kind of stuff. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the the things Shelley was doing, in effect, they were like little one act plays. Yeah. I mean, other than stuff about uh, you know small embarrassing moments and mm-hmm. why I don't like buttermilk and and those those <laughs> kinds really of things. Like that, those aren't those aren't <clears throat> and, and, and those aren't really jokes. They're sure. they're more like observations. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, and that's that's what was so different about Shelley is that again. A lot of comedians out there at the time were telling jokes that were largely interchangeable. It's like any comedian could tell them, my wife is so fat that, mm-hmm. my, my mother-in-law is so ugly that. And, you know, any comedian could, could tell these things. And, you, and first of all, you wouldn't really care yeah. if the, the guy had a fat wife or a loud mother-in-law or whatever it was. Um, so Shelley, uh, you know, Shelley kind of distanced himself from that and said... That's not what I want to do. I want to bring my acting skills uh, into this. I don't know if it was conscious to begin with, yeah. but it certainly was later on as mm-hmm. he uh, as he did longer, more complex pieces. Like, for example, the bit about his uh, calling his father to ask for $100 to go to acting school. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, that was something that, uh, that uh, uh, you know, a lot of Shelley's uh, skill as an actor... Uh, you, you, can, you can hear it if you, you, know, yeah. if you listen to it. It's, uh, it's just too bad that we can't... Uh, we can't listen to some of these things in their entirety, but a lot of them are, you know, eight, ten, twelve minutes long. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Your yeah. show would be, you know, your show would be four hours long by the time we. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we you know, what would be fun though is at some point to maybe album by album because I'm doing that with some people. I'd love it, you know. So I'd I, love I, it. I think we should because this is mostly going to be more yeah. all encompassing of what it's like about. So what's it? So as his archive is now and his webmaster, I mean, mm-hmm. is your is it mostly just like 
fielding? Like, what are you doing right now in terms of like? Because you got to keep the legacy alive. That's a huge responsibility on your shoulders. Well, not to remind you of the pressure. I'm just saying it's fascinating to me. Well, I put it this way: the hours are long, but hey, the pay sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, no, um, uh, actually, there's. Uh, we try to. I try to keep up since uh, Shelley's not doing any more personal appearances. Um, I try to keep up. Shelley uh, uh, published a book of poetry mm-hmm. uh, about a year and a half ago. Poetry is one of his writing poetry, and uh, he also taught poetry for uh, oh, okay. for, a, for a very long time. Um, that's one of his great passions is is poetry, and so he finally got his poetry published. Uh, I would say about a year and a half ago, and I also produced. The audiobook version. Oh wow! So there's been a great deal of interest in that, and mm-hmm. so um, you know people uh, people inquire about that all the time. Um, you know, anytime uh, you know if there's a, a like a rerun of one of Shelley's great TV appearances, we'll put that up there. Sure. Um, probably the most activity though is on Shelley's Facebook fan group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I try to post something. I, I, it's 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 hard to do it every day, but mm-hmm. I try to post something at least every few days. Uh, every couple of weeks or so, I'll publish new pictures and, and new video clips. So that's that's probably where the most uh, where the most activity is, mm-hmm. and um, you know I uh, probably uh, the the place where I hear uh, from Shelley's fans uh, uh, more often than than uh, you know sure. the website because the website's not really interactive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's interesting because sometimes some people might describe a job that you have as like uh, keeping somebody relevant, but that's not the issue. I feel like it's. He's generally very relevant, so is some of the greatest comedy. It's reminding people of relevance, and that's a tough job. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm very protective of Shelley, not, not, only, not only of him personally, mm-hmm. but uh, also of his legacy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just, I want to make sure that, uh, that his legacy is preserved and it's done with, with uh, a certain amount of class, at least as much, as much class as I, you know, I can muster. Mm-hmm. I'm doing, doing my little best at that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, because I've seen somebody started a Facebook fan group where they called Shelley uh, the king of the crank phone callers. What? What? <laughs> what? And that's somebody who's misremembering, oh, you know, what Shelley did with the phone. Yeah. And I actually went so far as to contact Facebook and say, "Get rid of this." <laughs> I think it had three members, you know, oh, three okay. people. So, yeah. and they, and they did eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but uh, a little later on, before we sign off, I'm going to get a plug in for. A whole bunch of stuff, sure, including sure, sure. Shelley's site and fan group and all that. Of course, yeah. Do you have over, I mean, okay, so we're talking, so six albums before recently, so seven albums total, right? Right. Right. So do you have a favorite out of those? Do you, is there one that just Well, uh, boy, it's tough. I, I know, it's I, not you know, an easy It's question. tough to pick a favorite. Um, Shelley's, Shelley's last album, in, in, you know, in, back in the 60s, um, it was a departure from his usual uh, uh, stand-up act, he did an album called "The Sex Life of the Primate and Other Bits of Gossip," <laughs> and this was this was a sketch comedy album which featured Shelley, Jerry Stiller, and Mira, and um, a cabaret performer named Love Lady Powell. Who um, back then she did a lot of voiceover work, a lot of stage work. Mm-hmm. Um, not talked about too much these days, but um, uh, as I was telling you before the show. Um, the way Shelley put this album together was very similar to the way uh, Larry David worked on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. There, were, there would be no script. He would tell his actors, here's point A, here's point B, go. And they'd do it four, five, six times, and then Larry would say, okay, let's keep this line, let's throw that line out, you know, let's put these two things together, and then ultimately 
they would have a show, albeit yeah. you know heavily edited. Sure. Um, well, that's what they did in um, with Sex Life of the Primate. Uh, I've heard I've heard tapes of some of the rehearsal sessions at Shelley's house, uh-huh. and um, you know it's just very interesting, especially when I was you know been hearing the album for so many years that I go back and I listen to rehearsal tapes at, at Shelley's home in Beverly Hills, and they're all over there. And, and saying, oh, that's interesting, man. I, I wonder what would have happened if that joke had made it into the bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, that's, I, I, I don't know that I would say it's my favorite, but sure. I, I would say it's it's um, it's a favorite of mine because it's a departure. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear Shelley work in another, uh, you know, another aspect of the medium. Yeah. And that's one that I've looked forward to listening to for a long time, and I haven't. This is the problem with having a big collection. Not that big, but big enough that yeah, I don't get to listen to everything. Yeah, you got it. You only have X amount of time, and you got to... But you you just sold me on it, so I I have to listen to it. Now, are any of those rehearsals or anything ever going to make See the Light of Day? Because those are the kind of things that I think get people... Maybe not reinterested, but like, holy shit, this is a thing that's out there? You know what I mean? So I'm always curious if there's plans for Well, that. I post I post things on the Facebook group from time to time, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, rarities, and I've posted, uh, you know, commercials that Shelley's done, and, okay. and, you know, a lot of a lot of rare things. And I've actually, um, there were several sketches from Sex Life of the Primate that did not make it onto the finished album. Wow. And I put a couple of those up there on Facebook. Uh-huh. Um, and again, when we're done talking here, I'm going to tell everybody, that, you know, where they can get this stuff and how, how they mm-hmm. can hear it and so forth. Um, but yeah, from time to time, I'll, I'll put stuff out there and, um, you know, this stuff always gets a really good response on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, I think since Facebook is more interactive and it's a little easier to communicate with not only me, mm-hmm. um, but also everybody else who comes to the page, um, there's probably... There's a great deal more activity there than there is on the website. The website, I mean, we have his, we have Shelley's biography. We have links to where you can buy his albums mm-hmm. and his books and his book of poetry. So um, the information there will change from time to time. Um, but it's really the it's really the Facebook fan group that uh, you know that's where the you know where the action is. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's and it's nice to have people uh, actively participating in that kind of thing too. And it's good for again a whole all the archivists I've met that that is the one place where they can go and it's just Yeah, I've I've um, you know, I have no interest in being I mean there are people out there, there are some people who call themselves archivists or mm-hmm. or webmasters who are more interested in using their particular famous person mm-hmm. as kind of a stepping stone to become famous themselves. Of course, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. In other words, they don't really have any interest. You know, they just want to establish a reputation as as an expert on this on this person. Mm-hmm. I could name some names, but I don't want to get sued. <laughs> um, with me, it's not like that. In fact, if I could if I could post anonymously on Shelley's fan group, I would. Sure, um, sure. Because it's not at all about me. Right. Uh, it's about Shelley. Yeah. And again, as you said, it's about preserving his legacy, and it's something I'm Something I'm very passionate about, uh, not only having been a fan for so many years, but now being so close to the Bourbons personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to make sure that that you know Shelley has a place out there in the on the uh, as, as one of my uncles calls it the interweb machines. Zen is a kind of philosophical, uh, metaphysical thought thing. You have it so far. Uh, <laughs> It's a, a kind of offshoot of Buddhism in which, through concentration, you arrive at certain levels of existence, and you are capable of answering certain very tricky questions. 
One of the questions is this. You know the sound of two hands clapping, but what is the sound of one hand clapping? <laughs> well, I, I know that sound. I've, uh... <laughs> I've heard it frequently enough, God knows, and I'm uh, not going to dwell on it because I'll cry, and a comedian, you know, should be jolly. Anyway, I was telling you about buttermilk, why I don't like it. I just... I found out today, and I'm going to tell it to you. It is not the buttermilk that bothers me. It's the way the glass looks when you're through drinking it that makes me sick. As an archivist, my assumption, and it could be wrong, is that you're also a super completionist, maybe a bit OCD. Is Do you have that side of you where like, I need everything, I need to know where it all is, it needs to all get digitized, this, 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 that kind of thing? Well, um, I, I did do that. I had, I, I've, I've got a lot of stuff that's, uh, that's digitized on my computer because mm-hmm. contrary to what a lot of people think, uh, DVDRs do not last forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, quite a while ago, I gave up trying to be completist about Shelley because mm-hmm. he has done so much. Sure, okay. Uh, so many interviews and so many press conferences and so many TV appearances and yeah. so many movies. And I mean, the movies aren't, uh, you know, a, a lot of those are available on home video, but sure. I just realized I'm never going to have it all. And so that, having, you know, knowing that, having that in mind, it, it kind of made me at one point go... <sighs> okay, mm-hmm. now I can relax. Yeah, I understand. I, I mean, I do have that OCD thing going. I mean, I'd love to have everything, but I know it's just impossible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, over the last 12, 13 years, I've managed to, uh, I've managed to uh, uh, amass a pretty decent archive. I mean, I don't have the, I don't really have the time or the resources to to be a proper archivist. Sure, sure, but, sure. But okay. I just, you know, I can't, I can't go to. Uh, you know, memorabilia conventions every weekend right. and, and all that stuff. And a lot of people can. And I wish I wish I could... Sometimes I wish I could be one of those people. But, yeah, but. Um, but uh, <laughs> anyway. You know, I, I feel like I should have asked earlier is... Uh, uh, what were his... What were Shelley's biggest comedic influences? I'm curious about that. You know, again, he he really... I mean, there were there were comedians that, that he... There were and are comedians that he likes very much. Sure. Uh, Louis Black, probably uh, the most uh, the most contemporary uh, of, of those. But again, it was never Shelley's intention to be a comedian. Yeah. So there weren't really that many people that he... I mean, there were people that he enjoyed watching as just a, a consumer of television mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and movies. But not really... Shelley was more of an... If these are even words, more of an influencer... Yeah, than an influencee. Sure, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, George Carlin has said, George Carlin said many, many, many times that he would not have a career mm-hmm. if it hadn't been for for Shelley Bourbon. And George Carlin, mm-hmm. early on in his career, just after Burns and Carlin split up, mm-hmm. um, uh, George Carlin, Richard Pryor, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of some other names here, like many comedians, you know, in in the late '50s, early '60s, Lenny Bruce mm-hmm. is another example. All these guys started out telling jokes and doing impressions, mm-hmm. and you know before they developed the persona that uh, uh, that we now know them for, because mm-hmm. um, that's what comedians did back then. Sure. And um, George did a dead-on impression of Shelley, a dead-on Mort Saul, mm-hmm. and a dead-on Lenny Bruce. <laughs> I bet. Um, so it was it was more like people were influenced by Shelley rather than the other way around. Okay. 
That's the that's the short version. No, that makes sense. Um, let me see. Yeah, we're 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 right about there. So why don't I think we've made the pitch for why you should? If you haven't listened to some Shelley Berman, wait, it's over. Shelley Berman. I want to keep talking. I'm happy to keep talking. If you got more, <laughs> I just feel like I've run out of questions because I'm a moron. But um, <laughs> you guys need to listen to Shelley Berman. Uh, that's that's argument number one, and I I love the idea that that uh, you can also go far and down enough in in his uh, discography that you eventually hit an unexpected sketch comedy album. I think that's great. See, that's fascinating to me. Yeah, uh, Shelley had a little trouble, and again, when when you hear the album, you're going to think why. But <laughs> Shelley had a little trouble with uh, with uh, getting airplay uh, for that album, Sex Life of the Primate, and a uh-huh. uh, little trouble with the censors. So, mm. um, uh, Verve, which was MGM Records owned Verve by that time. They had to put out specially edited, um, you know, uh, editions of the album that could be played on the radio. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, but it's it's definitely worth seeking, as are all of all of Shelley's albums. And um, so, are we done, or, or are you gonna? I'm I'm ready for you to just pitch whatever you want to. Okay, pitch I'm and not tell people where to go. I'm gonna okay, I'm gonna pitch something, and then I think we're gonna leave. Uh, you know, we were talking about some uh, rarities earlier. Um, I think we'll we'll we can end the show with that if that's okay with uh, with Jason. But um, again, Shelley has Shelley has a Facebook fan group. Uh, he has you can get his albums on on vinyl, of course, on the secondhand market. You can get them on CD. You can get them on uh, MP3 download. You can buy his uh, books on the secondhand market, his poetry book through Amazon. But rather than give you all those links, the easiest thing to do is just go to ShellyBerman.com. And right on the front page there are, are links where you can get all of this stuff. You know, find his Facebook group and, uh, and like it. And, uh, you know, if you want to drop me a line, any, any questions or comments or dirty jokes or, you know, whatever you, <laughs> whatever you want to share, that's, uh, there are two email links on the website. They both go to me. Um, actually, no, there's one now. I closed the other one. Webmaster at ShellyBerman.com. But uh, for all things Shelly, it's all right there for you, ShellyBerman.com. And um, what we're going to close the show with here is um, we're actually going to play this in its entirety. It's not that long. It's about three and a half minutes. This is, um, this is a bit that was originally on Shelly's first album. Um, uh, it's uh, a guy trying to call uh, somebody and ends up talking to a little child, and the child wants to know how he's doing, and he keeps saying, I'm fine, thank you, fine. Um, this is this recording of uh, of that bit uh, was actually done at a corporate gig that Shelley did in August of 1959, August 25th uh, to be exact, uh, at an event, uh, something called the Crystal Ball Dinner in Detroit, Michigan. Now, these were annual dinners uh, for uh, high-level executives in the automobile industry, and these guys would hire, I mean, big Top-name talent. They had Tennessee Ernie Ford. They had Rosemary Clooney. They had Patty Page. They had Joe Stafford. Really big names at the time. Uh, Shelley, as far as I know, only did one of these. Um, and Mitch Miller was usually the MC. Now I'm not sure about the um, I'm not sure about the scope of your demographic. Should I explain who Mitch Miller was? You can give him a brief. Sure. Okay. Yeah, he, Mitch Miller was a uh, was an arranger, conductor, record producer. Uh, he was a, a very successful A and R man for Columbia Records. In uh, in the late fifties, early sixties, but he's best known as the host of a weekly television show called Sing Along with Mitch, which had uh, a male chorus in barbershop quartet style singing songs from the gay nineties and the roaring twenties, and the words would appear on the screen, and people at home were supposed to sing along. Hence, Sing Along with Mitch. <laughs> it was uh, you look at it now; it's it's a little on the cornball side, but it was wildly <laughs> successful. Anyway, Mitch Miller emceed a lot of these. Uh, crystal ball dinners, 
and um, these uh, uh, they were recorded. The entertainment portion was recorded and pressed up onto a really crappy, uh, uh, low-quality red vinyl uh, record that was probably made out of, I don't know, recycled bowling ball or something. <laughs> um, but uh, so here it is from... Uh, August 25th, 1959, at the 14th Annual Crystal Ball Dinner in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, this is Shelley doing his child on the phone bit, and I want to say thank you, Jason. Thank you. Very much, for uh, again, for welcoming me into my own home. <laughs> and uh, I look forward. I don't want to invite myself back, if you, mm-hmm. but if you would love to, like to have me come back, oh, I would yeah. love oh, yeah. to come back and talk about Shelley, because he's uh, one of my favorite people and definitely one of my favorite comedians. Absolutely. You're more than welcome back. We'll, we'll arrange that. Thank you guys for listening. As always, give Shelly Berman a listen, especially at the very end. And as always, have a good thing. Thank you. There we go. Thank you very much. Thank you. One of the great abilities and the ta- greatest talents that the American people have is to be able to laugh at themselves. And I should say one of the most astute talented and marvelous dissectors of ourselves who makes us laugh so heartily at ourselves is a young man who's taken the country by storm and is a top star comedian today and he's here tonight for us Shelley Berman I don't know if this has ever happened to you I I can make the assumption, at least, that many of you men in this audience are parents. Most of you are parents. There may be some of you who are not certain of your status. (laughs) Who live in dread of a Father's Day card, you know, from some foreign land. However, we will dedicate this brief, very brief, telephone conversation to those of you gentlemen who are parents. Those of you who don't know, and to those of you who are planning on working on this at a later date. Maybe about 12. (laughs) This is directed to and dedicated to the parents. I have a feeling this may have happened to a few of you. Hello? Oh! (laughs) Hello there. I'm fine, thank you. And how are you? Fine, fine, thank you very much. Uh, is, um, is, is your mother there? I'm fine, thank you, fine, fine, fine. fine. Is, is your mommy home? I'm fine, honey, fine, I feel fine. Listen, honey, listen, where is your mommy? Oh, well, tell her when she's through, I'd like to talk to her. Uh, you don't have to tell me what she's doing, honey. That's all right, sweetheart. I'm fine, dear, fine. Listen, what are you? Are you a little boy or a little girl? Oh, well, why don't you ask your mommy? She'll tell you. I'm fine. Listen, sweetheart, listen, go call mommy to the telephone. Oh, and listen, honey, listen, don't put the telephone on the hook now, baby. Put it on the table, sweetheart, because if you put it on the hook... (laughs) Hello there. I'm fine, thank you, fine, fine. Listen, you hung up on me, <laughs> you little. Now, see there, see, I told you to put the telephone on the table and you put it on the hook. <laughs> now, honey, you see what happens to you? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Hello. Now, listen, kid. I don't put the telephone down, you understand me? 
you hold the telephone in your hand. You hear what I'm saying to you? In your fat little claw, you hold a phone. I'm warning now, if you put that telephone down, lightning will strike you, and you'll die. I'm God. I'm fine, thank you, fine. Now stand still and scream, Mommy. What are you crying for? I didn't scare you. I can't have it if I'm God. Call your Mommy. Hello, Mommy. Marge. It's me, Sid. I am fine, thank you. I'm not screaming. Seems to me your household has a morbid interest in my health. Your kid acts like the beneficiary of my insurance policy. Listen, do me a favor. Tell my nephew he's a boy, will you? He doesn't know. He doesn't know. Ask him before what the hell I was talking about. What do you mean he's a baby? Now is when he should know. Now, during his formative years. Don't wait till he grows up and makes an arbitrary decision. Thank you. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. Please visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, and if you like us, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl, and find everything else at ComedyOnVinyl.com.